Good morning. Welcome to New Life. We're so glad you're here. I know there's some new folks here, so welcome. Uh, We were ready for you long before uh, you got here. Uh, People get here around 7 in the morning on Sundays, get the coffee going, get the worship ready. And we're just so glad that you came and are willing to invest this hour with us as we worship our God, as we hear from His Word. And today, we're finishing up a series, 12-week series, on the book of Daniel called Daniel Putting God First. And we've learned over these 12 weeks that Daniel was a great man of God, or I should say a man of the great God. There's no such thing as a great man of God, but there are men and women of the great God, and that he's one of them. And uh, Daniel heard from God in a number of different ways. First of all, he would hear, uh, you know, from the dreams of King Nebuchadnezzar, and he would interpret the dreams. Actually, he told him what the dream was and what the dream meant, uh, and it was about the future. And then these last few weeks, we've been focusing in on God's direct message to Daniel about the future. And today we're going to talk about the time of the end, the time when Jesus returns. Now, Daniel never met Jesus. Jesus didn't come till hundreds of years after Daniel had died. But he saw Jesus in a vision in Jesus' second coming to the earth when he's not going to be a suffering servant anymore as he was in his first coming. He's going to be a conquering king who's going to establish his reign on the earth forever. And as we're going to see today, Daniel was given some very, very general information about the end of time, and he was given a very specific promise about the end of time. And so that's the the things that we're going to focus on today. And one of the things I want everybody here to understand, and that is we all have eternal life. My good friend John Nuzzo always reminds us of that. Everybody has eternal life. The only question is where are we going to spend it? Are we going to spend eternal life with God or separated from Him? And, and the book of Daniel chapter 12 makes it very clear uh, that it isn't automatic that everybody gets to go to heaven when we die and, and pass on from this life or when Jesus returns and establishes His kingdom. So that's what we're going to look at today. And back when I was a teenager... I got caught up in the thing of when is Jesus coming back and where is he coming back and how is it going to be. When I was a teenager in early 70s, uh, 1970s that is, not the 1870s. Uh, anyway, uh, there was a couple of books came out by Hal Lindsey called The Late Great Planet Earth and There's a New World Coming. And I got all caught up in that and, and I was trying to figure out when, where, how, what, you know, and all that. And look through the book of Revelation, book of Daniel, Jesus' words from the Gospels. And I was all excited about it. But then I kept reading my Bible. And as I kept reading my Bible, particularly the Gospels, what I noticed about Jesus' words about his return was he didn't give us so much information about the when and where and why and how and all that. He just kept saying, be ready, be ready, be ready. And so as I said last week, I I moved away from being on the planning team for Jesus' return, and I sort of transitioned to the welcoming team. I want to get as many people ready as possible. There is nobody who takes Jesus' return more seriously than I do. I look forward to it every single day of my life. But here's what I want you to understand. And if you uh, take notes in the outline, this is the first thing in the outline. It says this, that my focus for many decades has been to help people come to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord, and then to trust God's Word in the Bible as truth, and then finally to live that Word out in the power of the Holy Spirit. That way, when Jesus returns, whenever it is, if it's today, tomorrow, next week, next year, whenever it is, we will be ready. Because I want as many people to be ready when Jesus returns as possible. Because after Jesus returns, there's no more decision-making, no more commitments after that. When he returns, that's, there's no more opportunities. And so today, as we're going to see, uh, Daniel is given this last image 
of what's going to happen when uh, the end of time comes. And as we turn to Daniel 12, I want you to understand that my goal as we finish out the, the book is that we will leave today with a clearer understanding that there is going to be an end of time and Jesus coming back, and that there's a promise, an individual promise for each of us, that those of us who trust Jesus as Savior and Lord will have an inheritance that lasts forever. So that's our take-home point, more or less. Uh, what I just said is the take-home point. And for those of you who are new, the take-home point is the one point that I'll be making in the message that hopefully all of us will take home, we'll think about it, pray about it, and live it out in the week ahead. And here it is. In the end, Daniel was told... It will, and I put that in all caps, it will all end, and you will receive the inheritance set aside for you. So, so those who think that the universe is a big accident, and that all of us are just little accidents that came about as a result of the big accident, are sadly mistaken according to the book of Daniel. What Daniel tells us is there's a God who created everything, and that God has a plan and a purpose for his universe and for each of us. Now that plan is perfect. And that plan involved us being good and righteous people from, from our birth through our death. And, and actually, if you really read it carefully, there probably wasn't supposed to be any death. But because we rejected God and turned away from him, when I say we, our first ancestors, Adam and Eve, sin entered the world. That is asserting human will over against the will of God. And when that happened, the perfect plan of God didn't change. His plan has always been that we will reign with him forever in his universal kingdom. But what happened is there was, I, I just say there's bad news. And, and bad news comes as a result of what human beings have done. So before we turn to Daniel 12 and read about the bad news and then the good news. And in the Bible there's always bad news and then good news. Except in Genesis 1 and 2 where it's all good. And, and then after Genesis 3 comes into play there's bad news, good news, bad news, good news. And then at the end of the book it's just good news. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father we thank you for your written word. We thank you that we have it, that people have taken the, the painstaking time to write it down hand by hand at first and then have, have preserved it and, and kept it uh, available to us for thousands of years. And today, God, as we turn to Daniel 12, we pray that you'll open our hearts, our minds, our spirits, God, that we can hear your truth and th that it can be impressed upon our, our, our spirits and our souls so that our lives can be conformed to your plan and purpose for them so that we can live this life with victory, and so that we can be ready when you come. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Daniel study guide with you, Putting God First study guide, you're on page 51 as we read Daniel 12. And if you don't have that, you can, if you have a Bible, Daniel chapter 12, if you don't have a Bible or Bible app, then up on the screen we read this. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. At that time, Michael, the archangel, who stands guard over your nation, will arise. Then there will be a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. So as I said, since the time of Adam and Eve, there has been bad news and then good news. And here's some really bad news. The really bad news is when it gets to be close to the end of time, there's going to be a period of suffering, a period of anguish greater than has ever happened in the history of humanity. The domino effect of sin which Adam and Eve brought into the world means that we are fallen people, we live in a fallen world, we have a fallen nature, and we're destined to be separated from God. That's the bad news. But thankfully, there's good news. The good news is God has intervened, actually from the time of Adam and Eve, right on through into our own day, and God will 
bring good news into our life if we let him. It's up to us to, to hear that in the midst of this darkness, there is light. And, and the thing that we have to understand is, if we live in a first world nation, a nation like the United States of America, we might not experience much darkness. We might not experience war or disease or hunger, any of those things. Our lives might, you know, my dad used to say, and I'll just put it the polite way, my dad used to say, that guy could fall in an outhouse and he'd come out smelling like a rose. Did you ever hear that saying? Well, my dad's old, maybe he never did. But anyway, the point is, some people never have anything bad happen to them. That's because good things happen to bad people. Good things happen to bad people because we have a good God who's gracious and his general grace is extended to the world. And, and there's a specific grace in Jesus Christ. But even bad people experience God's goodness because he's good. But sin does not mean that we're all going to be as evil as we can be. But what sin means is this, that none of us are good enough on our own to be able to bring the relationship that was broken between God and us, and, and we're the ones who broke it, back into a, a, a good position. We need uh, the salvation that comes only through Jesus Christ in order for that to happen. So in Daniel 12, verse 1, it tells us before this time of the end, when Jesus returns, there's going to be an unprecedented time of suffering. Israel's going to face it, but people all over the planet are going to face it as well. And so that is definitely bad news. Then we read, but at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. So it doesn't get any clearer than that, does it? There is going to be a separation in eternity. And we're going to, as I guess I put it in the, in the words of the notes, some are going to experience everlasting life. And some others will experience everlasting disgrace. Heaven and hell are real. And we're all going to spend our eternity in one of those two places. Now Daniel says, the ones whose names are written in the book will be rescued. What book? Well, the book of life. The book is mentioned here, but it's also mentioned in the book of Revelation. It's called the book of life in the book of Revelation. And our names get written in the book by God's grace, not by our efforts. So let's think about it this way, that anyone who trusts Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord has his or her name written in the book of life. Notice um, that the underlying word in that statement is trust. Anyone who trusts Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord has his or her name written in the book of life. Jesus told us in the book of Matthew chapter 7 that not everyone who cries out, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only those who do the will of his Father in heaven. And he doesn't mean by that that it's by our efforts and by our good works that we're saved. What it means is that good works alone will never save us. And what it means is there's something more that's needed. And I've heard so many preachers over the years and other people say, all you need to do is receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord and everything will be fine. Just receive Jesus. Now that statement's true as far as it goes. But, but let me give an illustration to show you that we need to go beyond just receiving Let's say that this morning I were to reach in my pocket and pull out a $100 bill for every single one of you in the room. And I give you the $100 bill. Everybody gets a $100 bill. So you received it. But now here's the thing. Once you receive that $100 bill, you could immediately, when my message is over, take that $100 bill and put it into the offering. And you could advance the kingdom of God by that effort. Or you could pick out a few people that you like around here. And you could take them to breakfast after the service. And you could use that $100 bill to buy them breakfast. Or you could even take the $100 bill home and deposit it in your bank so that you'll have it available to use later. But what, what you probably wouldn't do is stick it in your wallet or purse and just forget about it. 
You, you wouldn't just take that $100 bill and pretend it didn't exist. That would be, you would receive it, but it wouldn't have any impact. Then how do I know that Jesus expects more of us than just receiving him as Savior and Lord? Because of the next verses that we read. It says, those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky. And those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end when many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. So immediately after Daniel says the people whose name are written in the book are going to you know, rise to everlasting life. He said, and those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky and those who lead many to righteousness will live like the stars forever. So the good news we receive into our lives is to be shared with other people. That's one of the things that we exist to do after Jesus Christ becomes Savior and Lord in our lives. We exist to go out and share his love, his truth, his life, his salvation with other people in words and in actions. And as we do that, um, the image here is that we become like, you know, as bright as the sky. And I'm picturing, you know, the bright morning sky whenever the sun is rising on a beautiful bright day. And it also uses the image of stars. And it says we'll be like the stars in the sky. So um, if we live our lives as we are born to live them, which is as fallen people, lost people, selfish people, as I said last week, we'll deceive each other. We'll destroy each other. We'll bring destruction on the planet. Uh, and we weren't created for that. We were born to do that because of sin, but we weren't created for that. Adam and Eve were created for goodness and perfection and to reign with God forever, as we've already said. But they destroyed the goodness and perfection in their lives. They couldn't destroy God's plan. And that's why Daniel is told here that at the end, those who have trusted God, those who have their names written in the book of life, those who have shown like the sky or like the stars in heaven because they've taught righteousness to others. And righteousness isn't just good works. It is that. But righteousness is also a right relationship with the God of the universe through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so as we, we live into that purpose in our lives, what we're doing is we're assuring that as Jesus returns, number one, we'll be ready. And number two, as Jesus returns, we will also receive this blessing of having our name in the book and having a reward, which we're going to talk about the reward in a moment. I want to underline once again that I have not focused my life since my teenage years on being on the planning committee for when Jesus returns, but on that welcoming team for being ready and getting as many people ready as possible. So Daniel was told to seal up the book until the end. What does that mean? Hide it? No. What it actually means is to make sure that there's a copy that's safe. Because if there's going to be this time of suffering, we need to make sure that there's a copy of the truth available to us. And so that's what it means is take a copy of this book, make sure that it's preserved until that time of the end. And the other thing that we probably need to just focus on a little bit is it says that knowledge is going to increase at this time. And people are going to run here and there looking for it. And when they find it, you know, their, their knowledge will increase. Many people believe that because... Um, they're in a, we're in this time of, you know, amazing transportation ability and increased information, incredible information overload in this culture that we're in the time of the end because of that transportation and information age. Well, I'm not going to argue with that, but remember, I'm on the welcoming committee, not on the planning committee, so I don't know for sure. But what I do know is this, that there are many biblical scholars who believe that in the time of the end, those last couple of years of suffering, it's going to be very difficult to get your hands on a, a a page of the Bible. 
And you're thinking, well, wait a minute. I mean, we're living in this internet age. You can get internet Bible. All you have to do is get out your phone. But if there's this time of immense suffering, it makes sense that during that time of immense suffering, there's going to be censorship of God's word. And so people will look for it. And, and when they find it, their knowledge will increase and they'll, they'll come, you know, they'll come closer to God. And we see that already in nations around the world where there is censorship of the Bible and where people will travel hundreds of miles just to get a page of the Bible. And I know we find that hard to believe, but it's true. And I've actually met people um, in China who have only, you know, had a little bit of the book. They haven't had the whole book. And when you give them a copy of the Bible, oh my goodness, they just are so, so thrilled and excited. So then it says, then I, Daniel, looked and saw two others standing on opposite banks of the river. One of them asked the man dressed in linen who was now standing above the river, how long will it be until these shocking events are over? The man dressed in linen who was standing above the river raised both his hands toward heaven and took a solemn oath by the one who lives forever, saying it will go on for a time, times, and a half time. When the shattering of the holy people has finally come to an end, all these things will have happened. So the man dressed in linen is most likely Jesus. What gives me that clue? Well, he's standing over the river. <laughs> like not over on the other side of the river, above the river. He's standing up in the air. Not very many people can do that. You have to either probably be an angel or Jesus, right? If you're going to be standing above the river. And he is in this close connection with his heavenly father. So it's most likely Jesus who is being asked a very simple question. Uh, when is this going to you know, be over, this suffering? And the answer is, now familiar to us, a time, times, and a half time. We know that means three and a half years. Three and a half years in the book of Daniel, we've seen this time, times, and a half time. And we also see it in the book of Revelation over and over and over again. And many biblical scholars believe there's going to be a seven-year period at the end of time. And three and a half of those years are going to be a period actually of very much prosperity. The Antichrist is going to come and he's going to bring peace between Israel and the Arab nations. There's going to be this time of prosperity. Everybody's going to think he's wonderful. And then boom. Three and a half years, the last three and a half years, he's going to change his tune. He's going to say, I'm God, and if you don't worship me, you're dead. And so that's this time of tremendous suffering. The temple's going to be desecrated. All this stuff is going to happen. And it says that what's going to happen then is that, that there is going to be such a tremendous time of suffering. But when it's over... There's going to be joy. And let's look what the next verse is. Now, Daniel has heard this amazing stuff about the end. And then Daniel, it says in verse 8, I heard what he said, but I did not understand what he meant. Let me read that again. I heard what he said, but I did not understand what he meant. Now, Daniel heard directly from the mouth of this spokesperson, an angel or somebody, God directly. We don't know for sure. But anyway, he hears this message, and he's writing it down, and he's recording it for us to actually, eventually, for us to have. And even though he's the one that's getting it directly, he doesn't understand what's going on. So whenever, this is what I always say. If you find somebody who knows exactly what the book of Revelation means, exactly what the book of Daniel means, run away from that person like your hair's on fire. Okay? Because nobody knows exactly, nobody knows exactly what it means. What it means is there's going to be suffering and Jesus is going to come back. And when he comes back, the opportunity you know, for salvation is over. We need to be ready when he comes. But Daniel says, I don't know what's going on. So he gets an explanation. It says, but he said, go now, Daniel, for what I have said is kept secret and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, cleansed, and refined by these trials. But the wicked will continue in their wickedness and none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. 
So Daniel is told to go, and he's told that the full meaning of what's going on here won't be understood until the time of the end. There's sort of a little bit of good news in that, that those who are living in the exact time of the end will get a little bit more information from God, so they'll be able to endure it. But the message is, is not a fun message. The message is that the tribulation, this time of terrible suffering, is going to produce purification, cleansing, and refinement. That's a hard message. The good news isn't always easy news, but it's always good. Those who live through this terrible time of suffering are going to have an opportunity to come to know Jesus, but the problem is it's going to cost them their life in most cases. So this time of cleansing and purification and refinement will produce new believers in Jesus Christ. But what about the, it says the wicked though, not so much. The ones who have abandoned God, who have rejected God, it says they're just going to keep doing that. They're not going to see any point to the suffering. For all of us who live right now in a period of time when uh, maybe we're going through suffering, this message is helpful. It says that during times of suffering, even if it's not the end time suffering, we can gain, we can be cleansed, we can be purified, we can be refined, and so our lives can be drawn closer to God. And, And so we know that this three and a half year period will end, and it says this, from the time the daily sacrifice is stopped and the sacrilegious object that causes desecration is set up to be worshipped, there will be 1,290 days, and blessed are those who wait and remain until the end of the 1,335 days. Now, if you do the math, three and a half years is 1,260 days. These numbers here are 30 days more and 75 days more. Apparently, after Jesus returns, a three and a half year period after the temple's desecrated, There's going to be some special thing that's going to happen 30 days later and something that happens 75 days later. What is it? I'm on the welcoming team. I have no idea. All I know for sure is that something special, I mean, when Jesus comes back, I'm pretty sure that's going to be special enough for me. But 30 days after and 75 days after, there's going to be something even more special. I'm guessing after that, there's going to be stuff that's even more special. So the truth that we need to gain from this is there's going to be a time of suffering and then Jesus is going to come back and it's going to be amazing. And we need to be ready. And so then Daniel receives this final, and this is the personal message. It's the last part of the book. And the personal message says this. As for you, Daniel, go your way until the end. You will rest. And then at the end of the days, you will rise up again to receive the inheritance set aside for you. So Daniel is given three specific commands. The first one is, go your way until the end. In other words, keep doing what you're doing. Secondly, it says, you will rest a.k.a. die. Daniel, you're going to die. And then it says, three, you will rise again to receive the inheritance set aside for you. So what a powerful message Daniel receives. The first thing he's told is just keep doing what you're doing, Daniel. Daniel, you've been faithful all these decades, and now what you're supposed to do is just keep doing what you're doing. Finish strong, Daniel. What a powerful message for those of us who live in 21st century America. Because so many people I know who are my age, even younger than my age, all they can wait for is retirement so that they don't have to do anything anymore. Then what Daniel is told is, and he's an old, old man by the time this comes, Daniel is told, keep doing what you're doing. Keep being faithful until you die. Because Daniel, you're going to die. So let's just put it this way. I'm not saying you shouldn't retire. What I'm saying is, when we retire, if we retire from the work we have, we don't retire from following Jesus. We don't retire from telling people about him. In fact, we might just have more time to do the things that we are called to do here until the end of our life comes. Then the second thing, rest. Okay, Daniel's going to die. We probably are too if Jesus doesn't come back. If Jesus comes back, we don't have to die. That's always been my preference. 
But if we die before Jesus comes back, I love what it says in the book of Revelation, chapter 14, verse 13. It says, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this down. Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they are blessed indeed, for they will rest from their hard work, for their good deeds follow them. So the promise is that after death, it's not just death. There's a time of rest and reward after our death. That if we have lived our lives in the name of Jesus Christ, in the power of his Holy Spirit, that when we die, if we die before Jesus returns, then we will have this period of rest and renewal and restoration and everything will be perfect and we will receive an inheritance, a reward. And I've had people tell me over the years, well, you know, it's sort of a little bit selfish to want a reward when you, you know, die and go to heaven. You know, wouldn't it be just enough to go to heaven? For me, yeah. But that's the promise. The promise is that we get a reward. That if we live faithful lives in the name of Jesus Christ, not only do we get to be with him forever, but he gives us a reward. And the Apostle Paul focused on this a lot in his writings. He said that we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And so if, if we um, die with him, we're going to live with him. There's so many passages in the New Testament that bring up this point about the inheritance that we're going to receive. The key is remain faithful, finish strong. So few people in any area of endeavor in this culture finish strong. Finish strong and then rest, whether it's rest, you know, just a brief rest when Jesus comes back and we immediately get our reward, or whether we die and then we get to go, you know, and receive the reward that we have from our faithfulness. The the amazing thing is, whatever our experience in this life, whether we gain great wealth and prosperity and everything's wonderful, or whether we suffer through it and never know any joy at all, the next life promises (laughs) eternity with the God of the universe and reward for our efforts with him. Now, for that to happen, the first thing that has to happen is Jesus Christ has to be Savior and Lord in our life. Savior means that we acknowledge our need to be saved from sin and death. It means that we acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. His, he's the owner of our life. He gets to tell us what to do. He gets to, as the Bible calls it, as Jesus called it from his own mouth, we get to be born again to this new life And in this new life, we get to live in the power of the Holy Spirit until he returns. So if you've never trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord, today is the best day ever to start living into this new life. Because I don't know if Jesus comes back today, tomorrow, next day, next month, next year. But if he comes back today or tomorrow or next month, next year, we want to be ready. And the the only way to be ready is to be living in him uh, in, in, into him. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. But, but right now, what we're going to talk about is the commitment that we can have once Jesus Christ is the Lord of our life. And here it is. I will put God first because only then will I receive his inheritance at the end. The end is coming. None of us know when. But we can be ready. He gave us the opportunity 2,000 years ago when he came and lived a perfect life. And when he died on the cross and the In our place, he paid the penalty for our sins. And then he rose from the dead to give us a new life that lasts forever. And he he went back to heaven and sent his spirit so we can have the power of God in our lives to live this victorious new life until he comes, until he returns. So it all starts, as the series says, with putting God first. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. For this instruction that we have been going through for 12 weeks now. From the life of Daniel and his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. 
We thank you, God, that they were faithful, that they lived their lives in obedience to you. We thank you that you spoke words of truth to Daniel through Nebuchadnezzar and then just directly to Daniel. And God, today as we reflect on all of that book that we just have completed, we are so grateful to you for predicting that Jesus would come and that he's going to come again, for showing us your truth and, and actually loving us so much that you give us the opportunity to be ready. God, I pray that for every person in this room, every person watching online, that if, if anyone has not yet said yes to Jesus, to trusting him, not just receiving him, but trusting him as Savior and Lord, that this would be the moment they do. And God, for all of us who have already done that, fill us anew with your Holy Spirit so that we can live faithfully, obediently, expectantly, knowing that whether it's today or tomorrow or next week or when, you are coming back and you are Lord and you have a reward for us as long as we put you first. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name, amen.